Welcome into another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That's not Alan Saunders, folks. Once again, we are graced. It is Faribault Friday. Nick Faribault from the site joining us. Nick, what's going on? What's going on, Smitty? It's always good to be on the Afternoon Drive. I'm on here uh, often on Fridays, you know. Um, just like Larry Ogunjobi, I show up on Fridays to practice. <laughs> and, you know, I, there's no... There's no um, there's no really uh, alliteration I can use for me other than Faribault Fridays. Um, mm-hmm. Limited Larry is much better than that. But uh, our work-life balance, King Larry Ogunjobi, yet again, no injury designation, Smitty. He's playing. <laughs> Same, I, I feel like we could potentially see something with this Darnell Washington knee thing similar you know, throughout now. Like, Is, is he going to be DNP Darnell or... Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of something for something for him as well because I think that that could be a similar situation for them the rest of the year. I, I think day to day Darnell, something like day that. Day to day, yeah. Day to day Darnell. Um, you know, it's 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 good. I like these things, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if any of them is going to beat limited Larry. Limited Larry, yeah. Limited Larry is good. And, limited Larry, um, but like you said, he's going to be good to go. Unlike. James Daniels, Presley Harvin both rolled out for this game. Uh, James Daniels dealing with it, it, that's his groin, yeah, injury, groin. and Presley Harvin dealing with a hamstring, which obviously that cannot be very comfortable for a punter. So both of them have been rolled out. Uh, Nate Herbig gonna see his first action, make his debut for the Steelers, uh, brought in this offseason. Feels like this is kind of like the situation that he was brought in for. You know, the Steelers offensive line, very lucky last year to be able to run with the same five the entire year. Was going to be hard to replicate that in 2023. And then Brad Wing, old friend Brad Wing, back in the fold, will likely be elevated from the practice squad uh, to kick or to punt for the Steelers on Sunday and also do the holding for the field goal unit. Nick, what can we expect from Nate Herbig? I mean, this is a team looking to get something going on the ground. Nate Herbig, a very good run blocker on the offensive line. Is this maybe something that, while unfortunate that we're losing Daniels for at least one game here, could maybe, you know, give us a little bit of a step in the right direction in the run game? Yeah, I think it's going to be different, um, too. I don't think you're going to see as much zone this week. Um, Pulling guards, gap stuff, um, that makes more sense to me. That's kind of what Herbig is. He's He's a mauler, man. He might even be a better run blocker than James Daniels is. Um, Daniels is more finesse athleticism, while Herbig's this big, powerful dude that in a phone booth can destroy guys, which I like to say that is a perfect representation of like duo, um, counter, power, different things like that. So I expect to see some more diversity in the run game. Um, I'm, I have full confidence in Nate Herbig to give them solid enough play to really stay afloat in this, in this thing. It's not like to me, a catastrophic um, loss. Now, obviously, I think you'd rather have James Daniels out there, um, especially for a unit that has not fully gelled yet, it looks like, is still trying to figure things out. But this is, I think, a fine alternative. Um, I don't think that you know Nate Herbig is some elite player, but I think he's a good spot starter. I think he's proven that over the years um, with the Jets, with Philly. And I certainly think that they have intentionally signed guys like him to make this a really solidly made team in terms of the depth. I, I think they have focused on trench depth. Obviously, that trench depth is paying huge dividends on the defensive side of the football. We have seen that. They mm-hmm. attacked that side with a vengeance and look at what it has done for them. Even without Cam Hayward, the pass rush is still extremely good. Um, and the run defense is even starting to figure it out. Offensively, now let's see what that can do. 
Um, I think Nate Herbig obviously is a big addition for him. Top back of it all three spots. I'm interested to see what Brad Wing does. Um, just a very six years, man. Six yeah. years since he's been in the NFL. Yeah, six years since he's been in the NFL. Now he did punt in the XFL um, this past year. I believe it was the XFL, um, and he was the per per punt. I think punt yards leader. Um, so he was the best punter in that league by far. Um, and so he gets back in, man. I mean, listen, they tried out like six other punters, and he won the tryouts, so he must have shown something. I'm not quite sure um, what we're going to see from him, but it really, I think, sucks for Presley Harvey. Um, it really yeah. does. The best two-game stretch of his career, easily. I mean, we're talking about a guy that you could easily have made the argument in terms of punting. He was the best punter in the NFL the last two weeks. I mean, that is legitimately how good he was. He was an elite punter, and they punt a lot. So, I mean, it mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. a lot of the field position battles that they had against the Raiders and the Browns were because of Presley Harvin, and they won a lot of those, which allowed T.J. Watt in the pass rush to really pin their ears back, get back there. Um, weren't no really short fields um, either, which really helped out that defense, and it kept the offense, I think, at, at a really good pace because even against the Raiders, how many, how many times were there punts? Then the Raiders went three and out. Then a decent return by Austin or a short punt, and then the Steelers got three out of like twenty yards on offense. Like mm-hmm. I think that's something to, to take into consideration too. So I, I think Pressy Harvin, man, is, it's a tough blow for Press. I, he's had such a good start to the year. They kept the faith in him, right? Like a lot of teams probably would have moved on from Presley Harvin by now, and the Steelers were like, we think the talent's there, and. He was rewarding them. So that that hamstring injury in your kicking leg in particular yeah. is tough because he hasn't done anything like this week. Um, just walking mm-hmm. around, you know what I mean? That's all he's done. And there's nothing he can really do because you can't play the guy and he re-injures his hamstring and you don't have a punter. Like, what are you going to do? Elevate Brad Wing and play with two punters? Like, I mean, I guess you could do that, but. You probably don't, so they gotta let that heal. I wouldn't be surprised if, Presley, if we don't see Presley Harvin until Los Angeles. I, I think, yeah, it makes more sense to hold him out through the bye week and and kind of let him rest, and then he comes back in in LA. Yeah, hamstrings are so annoying, man. But like you said, I mean, they've special teams have been a big part of why they've gotten wins in the last two weeks. Obviously, you know the splash plays that they've gotten on defense, and you know some explosive plays on offense as well have have been a part of the equation. But I think special teams has been a huge factor there, and you know not just Presley punting the ball, but also as the holder. Uh, there was one that maybe you don't see in real time, but there was a, a not very good snap against Cleveland that he was able to get set for Boswell to hit the field goal. And, uh, you know, things like that go unnoticed. Will they go unnoticed if Brad Wing makes a mistake? No. So, you know, we'll see what Brad Wing looks like in that role. I almost feel like that's why he was the guy that they decided out of the ones they brought in because Brad Wing was doing that as well when he was here in the past. I'm not sure that every punter that they brought in, they trust to hold as well. So I wonder if that maybe gave him a leg up as well in the competition. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I'm not going to say it was like everything to them, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm sure it didn't hurt. I'll say that. Um, holding is like one of the very underrated parts of this entire thing, right? Like, why did they bring in a guy that they have such familiarity with? And a veteran, by the way, that has held before. Um, so, Listen, there might be better pure punters out there than Brad Wing, but are yeah. they going to have as many good holds? I've also seen a few really good holds from Press this year. Like, 
Yes. Christian Kuntz has been a little bit over the place at times this year. I'll say that. And I feel like it's been pretty masked because press has just been so good at laying down those balls for, for Chris Boswell. And so we'll see. I think that you got to make sure you have that smooth operation going. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll kind of see where wing is at this point. Um, but really good story for Brad wing who has come back from yeah. um, substance abuse and is now back at his dream and, and in the NFL. It's a really good story for Brad wing. Uh, good for him to be back here working back hard and listen, his, this is not like a, a, a good story. Throw the life vest out to a guy. Like he was really good this spring. He was, as I said, best punter in the XFL by far. So it, it mm-hmm. definitely, he had tape out there and got a trout clearly crushed the trout enough to, to me to where he earns that. Yeah. And it could be like, we're talking about more than one week here in Pittsburgh. And maybe he parlays that into an opportunity elsewhere. You have to think the Steelers will turn back to Presley Harvin when he's healthy, but maybe wet wing gets an opportunity elsewhere for what he's able to do here. Pivoting back to, you know, Herbig, the offensive line, I've mentioned the struggles that they've had there. I want to get an update on our boy that we haven't talked about in a while. The Steelers spent the 14th overall pick on Broderick Jones. The offensive line has been struggling when, if like, where are we at with that? Like, let's get a temperature check. Is there a possibility that this offensive line continues to struggle sooner rather than later that Broderick Jones does get inserted into this lineup? It's hard to say, but I think so. Um, listen, Dan Moore has not played well in pass pro as a run blocker. I think he's been fine. Um, but the pass pro has been so bad, man. Um, it really has. And sooner rather than later, I'm worried Kenny Pickett's going to knock it up. Uh, and I think that is exactly what you can have. Um, right when he's starting to get his legs out, you know, his legs were out from under him the first two weeks, and then starting to find it again against uh, Las Vegas. I'm going to still call them Oakland, apparently. <laughs> I, um, I've done it so many times. I've done it 20 times. But against Vegas, you know, starting to get his legs out from under him. Um, I really think, you know, he's starting to get that confidence back. And so that would be the worst thing. But Moore just not played well enough. And I don't even know if Roger Jones is like a necessary – a huge upgrade in pass pro. I've talked about how raw I think he is, but he's a mm-hmm. young guy with so much talent and he's a really good run blocker. Like I know he's ready to go as a run blocker. He's a plus run blocker in space. He is an animal. He would be the best blocker in space on the team right now. If you threw him out there, look at the Georgia tape. He was killing guys on Alabama and Ohio state and whoever else they played last year. It was comical how good he is in space. And I would rather, at this point, if if Dan Moore cannot play at a higher level to where he shows to me he can be better than Broderick Jones right now, because, I, I mean, listen, he's playing so bad right now, I think Broderick Jones can be better in all areas than he is right now. Yeah. Right. So if he can't show that consistently and take a leap forward, like, what? why would you not play Broderick Jones, who, yeah, is going to take some lumps, but, man, he's the future left tackle of the team. Like, let him just take those lumps. He's a rookie. It is what it is. Um, I know they're trying to guard, I think, some of their young guys. We've seen the same mm-hmm. thing at Denton and Porter and even Herbig. Um, but let the man cook if the other guy isn't showing it enough because there's no reason to play Dan Moore if he's not an upgrade over Roderick Jones. And I'm not sure he is right now. Well, that was the whole point, right? It was like Dan Moore is going to be the starting left tackle because you don't want to get Kenny killed. Uh, the the problem is with how bad he's playing you're in that situation anyway right now so yeah I mean I think that I'm at the point where I would be playing Broderick Jones I I think the earliest that it could happen 
and and I don't know whether you agree with this or not, would be, you know, the bye week. I think maybe you make that switch going into the following game. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, and that's, again, assuming health because an in, one injury happens and obviously he would be thrust into the lineup. But I think if we see poor play this week and Ravens week, they could make that switch before Rams week after the bye. It could happen. I think that is the likeliest kind of outcome. Um, you know, we, we, I, I mean, listen, they've thrown, they threw Kenny Pickett into the shark waters. Yeah. Like after halftime, I don't, I still look back at Very that, that was the wrong way to go about it. Right. Um, I still don't agree with it, but uh, they did it. So they could do it at some point just out of the blue, but I don't like, there's nothing like that indicates to me, like right off the bat, like, Oh, they're starting to split reps. Like, coming at some point like it's not really what's happened so i think they'll give it to him if dan moore continues to go downhill mm-hmm. maybe after the bye i think yeah. that or i think the other natural launching point would be after the titans game um which is a thursday mm-hmm. night game where they have yeah. 10 days until they play the packers mm-hmm. two thursday night games this year which by the way yeah i'm sure that we know the players love um let's talk about okay so you know, the reason that we're talking about this, we've talked a lot about the offensive line. There's, you know, the run struggles. Like we were talking about the pass struggle, the pass protecting struggles. They haven't been able to run the football either. Um, <laughs> they were recently put into an article on a list of teams that have inquired about Colts star running back, Jonathan Taylor, um, one of seven teams on that list. Now, again, I actually believe that that same list um, was put out at some point in training camp. So when they inquired, don't know, are they still interested? Don't know. But uh, Nick, does this make any sense to you to, for the Steelers to be interested in Jonathan Taylor? Well, I, I, it does on some level, but like not in like a, Oh, that's a likely thing. I, I know Destin Adams and he mm-hmm. is the guy that reported this um, in HZ sports. He's a legitimately plugged in Colts inside. It's not like some guy that just, came out the street and made a random list. He was the yeah. first one to report that Isaiah Rogers was going to get suspended. Um, so he, he has sources in that building. Um, he was the first to report that they were leaning Anthony Richardson over everybody else. Um, he, he has legitimate sources. So I'm mm-hmm. sure the Steelers did reach out. I just don't think it's anything beyond a, Hey, uh, Chris Ballard, uh, what's the price on him? Because I, I remember uh, Howie Roseman on new heights with, with Jason Kelsey. And Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey talking about his trade kind of logic. And it's like, if if I don't check in on every trade and see what the price is, I could leave a, a great deal for our team that could be an upgrade on, on the plate, right? Okay, maybe the Colts are willing to trade Jonathan Taylor for a very cheap price. And the Steelers would want to do that trade because it wouldn't cost him a ton, um, even if they had to pay him a contract. Um, I, I think – I think it's malpractice not to check in on what the, the price is because, listen, right now we think it's going to be a McCaffrey-like deal, maybe even more than what Christian McCaffrey kind of brought. That's not tenable for the Steelers. But if it's like a fourth-round pick, like, at that point, I think you have to think about it. Um, now, it, obviously, I think running back is, like, the least of their needs. Um, I think Najee and Jalen Warren are good one-two. And if you put the issues in the run game and you rank them all, those two would be dead last, period. Jonathan Taylor isn't going to do a ton more to kind of maximize it with the run game struggles. But 
he is a guy that I think is in that short tier of running backs who matter, um, like that can just change an offense uh, and can kind of bring them up. But it doesn't make sense because you have to imagine right now with what we know, Jonathan Taylor's not going to play without a new contract, one. He's not going to play for a mm-hmm. new team without a contract. He might play for the Colts this year without a new contract. He's not going to play without a new contract, so you have to pay him probably resetting the market or at least getting up to CMC money. You have to give up a CMC-like package or more. So that was what, a two, a two, a three, and a four, I think, right? Or or something even more than that. Um, so that that's a lot of... I thought of, it was four picks, but yeah, yeah something similar. It might have been two-thirds or something. Um, but it, it's a lot of, of draft capital. And then you also have to somehow convince yourselves that 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 is a upgrade that needs to be made. Like, I just don't think it's tenable right now for them to give a big contract to a running back one, for them to trade lots of assets for a running back. And then for three, like, if he does come, okay, you probably have to send back Najee Harris in that deal, I assume. So you're probably trading Najee Harris. Um, does he actually make like a huge difference with what your team looks like right now? I don't know if he I does. don't think so. I and, don't think so. I mean, I'm sure he would upgrade the offense to a degree, but I, if I were to make a splash trade with the Steelers right now, and I don't believe this rumor either, but it is a rumor out there because his dad complained on Twitter um, after the Broncos got blown out. Patrick Sertan would be a great trade candidate, right? Now, I don't yeah, think absolutely. the Broncos have any reason to trade Patrick Sertan. But no. a great young corner is exactly the type of splash move the Steelers should be making. A, a If a wide receiver came on the market that was young enough and could give them an upgrade and could create a three-head monster with Pickens and Deontay Johnson, that's a move you should look into. A tackle. Like those are positions you should be looking into. I just don't understand what I'm, I love Jonathan Taylor, the player, but he's also coming off an injury. We haven't seen him play football yet. I just don't know why that makes sense. And so I'm sure they have checked in, but I, I think it was nothing more than a due diligence call. Yeah. Which again, you know, he, Omar Khan just doing his job as were six other GMs that were listed amongst Steelers, those teams. The Steelers have also placed calls for Mike Evans probably we've heard those trade rumors i'm sure i'm sure they've checked in on all of those guys yeah if, if patrick sertan is a, maybe as soon as his dad put something out i'm sure omar was like hold on is this real yeah I, I don't let, let me let me send a call over to denver i just i think, mean um i just think andy weidel carries yeah. a lot of the similar sentiments that a howie roseman does um when you hear him talk he has a lot of similar ideas and how he approaches GMing. And I'm sure Omar kind of also has that. We've seen how aggressive Omar is at filling holes on his team. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I think every single trade partner that they could have, they probably call. So don't read too much into Jonathan Taylor. It's just, it's a nonsensical idea. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Speaking of nonsensical, Colin Coward, TJ Watt. George Pickens, three first-round picks in order to secure USC quarterback Caleb Williams in the 2024 NFL Draft. There we go. There's the answer to all the Pittsburgh Steelers problems right there. I think it's uh, – I think that is so uh, – that's so over the top. <laughs> like um, what was what was on his mind when he's just sitting there 
in studio on TV, live television. I was like, yep, I'm going to say this. This is yeah, about to I, come out of my mouth. I have, I have no clue what he was thinking when he said this. Um, it's a wild. Uh, I don't even think a team at first overall would require all of that to let the Steelers up there. No, I'm not like, saying that like, okay, again, we're talking about Caleb Williams as opposed to, you know, Bryce Young, CJ, the guys that were in the mix this year, but the bears just went from nine to one this year. And like, dude, they traded DJ Moore, who is a really good player, but like, let's say if the Steelers finish in like the top 10, they are not going to have to give up TJ Watt, George Pickens and three first to move up. Like that is not, they might have to give up Pickens and three first. Like that might be something they have to give up, but like, TJ Watt alone is going to give like most of that. They don't need to give up all of that. What Colin Coward just proposed is, is setting Caleb Williams up to fail. Like you're trading one of his top receivers, the best defensive player that the team has plus three first round picks. So you can't invest in anything in the future of that. Like it makes no sense. None like absolutely zero sense at all. And I think the Panthers are even showing you a little bit right now. Like, Bryce Young's fighting, bro. Like he's got an ankle injury already. Like mm-hmm. doesn't have a top target to really throw to without DJ Moore. Uh, it's it's tough sledding for Bryce Young right now. I I love Caleb Williams. I think he's an awesome quarterback prospect. I love the idea if they get into like a similar range that the Panthers were at to actually maybe move up and go try and get him, like make a run there. But I do not give up. Watt, Pickens, and three first. That is absurd. That is too much. Quarterbacks matter a lot, but that is intentionally setting back your franchise too far to me. I just yeah. – you got to give the quarterback a good foundation to, to work with. I, I just – now, they would have a, some of a foundation at that point, I guess, because you would have still Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymuth, and those guys. But, man, you are really – Jonathan Taylor. And, and and I don't think Mike Tomlin would ever uh, would ever take that. Pat, Patrick Sertan would be on the team. Yeah, yeah. they'd have a good I, foundation. I, just, I I don't think like Mike Tomlin would ever okay <laughs> the group Absolutely with trading not. away all of that. And I don't know. I, I, I there's ballsy and then there's stupid. I think that's stupid. I I and I'm not advocating for this, but again, to your point, where it wouldn't require all that. Say it were Pickens and three firsts. If you're going to throw TJ, put him in a separate trade to recoup some of that draft capital that you gave up in that deal or something like you can't that giving up all that for the, just the number one pick to me would be egregious. It's too I, much, man. Too and it, again, like this is, this is a conversation for us to have. There is 0% chance that this conversation would ever take place within the Pittsburgh Steelers room. So that's where we're at with it. It's, it's, uh, we're getting close to the trade deadline, so don't expect uh, this to be uh, the last guy. I'll say that. Yeah. Nope. Well, now we're we just gotta now that we've talked about Patrick Sertan as well. You know that's gonna spark that as an actual thing. Um, I want to talk about the Texans' defense a little bit. We didn't. Uh, we haven't spent a whole lot of time on it. You know they got Will Anderson in there, 
who they traded up for. They took CJ Stroud two overall and then moved back up to three to select Will Anderson. Looks like Jalen Petrie will be back in the fold with them. Really nice safety duo with him and Jimmy Ward, who D'Amico brought over with him from San Fran. I look across that defense, though, you know, at all three levels. Not a ton of star power, but their defense, you know, isn't playing bad. I think D'Amico, you know, his defensive mind has got them playing in games here. Nick, what do you think about this Texans defense and how they match up with the Steelers offense? I think the Steelers offense should be able to move the ball. Um, listen, without Stingley and Tavier Thomas, who are two really solid. Tom, Thomas players, is an underrated. Yeah, Thomas is he's really good. Um, and Stingley yeah. is a nice young corner. Um, they still have Steven Nelson, but Shaq Griffin is a starting corner. Not very good. Um, Nelson is 31, I think, now. Um, been around. Um, he's still solid, but he's a two more than he is anything else. Um, like Pickens should be able to win that matchup. Um, and if Austin's on him, I have Austin Speed winning that one. Um, I'd like the safety duo, but Jimmy Ward isn't the Jimmy Ward you know. He's just a he's a very heady veteran now, but he's not yeah. Jimmy Ward. Jalen Petrie's a stud. Um, I wonder where they play Jalen Petrie. I wonder if they play him in a nickel with Thomas out, or if they keep him at safety. I don't know where they're going to kind of play him at. Um, but the Steelers should have an advantage here. The linebacking core is young without Denzel Perryman. Um, who's also out. They got Cashman, Christian Harris, I believe, and Henry Toto. Um, who, I mean, that's a, that's a young core, but I, I just feel like the defense right now is very reliant upon Will Anderson and Jalen Petrie. Like, I just do. Um, it's If they can't run the ball in this one, they, they can, they'll, they'll never be able to run the football. Like, up front, the Steelers should win this one, even without James Daniels. I like Malik Collins, um, but Jerry Hughes is kind of, you know, finally seeing, I think, father time catch up to him. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. the Texans right now rank 28th in rush, in EPA per rush. Um, that is not good, folks. Um, <laughs> the Steelers, I think, have found a decent bit of success running out of spread looks, 11 personnel. Um I think that that's kind of a bridge they can use. I think they should run more gap concepts, get power out here, um, you know, get some duo going more. Um, like, let's spread the menu around a little bit. Let's not just run inside zone and stuff like that. Spread them out, run different things like that. And I think you can really cook against this Texans defense. Um, now, they play more zone than man, which is going to be interesting because we have not seen the Steelers play a super zone-heavy team. Um, really, I mean, even the 49ers played a lot of man against them. Um, mm-hmm. and the 49ers do play a lot of zone, but it was a lot of man, um, when they play. Um, so I expect a lot of zone from D'Amico Ryan's quarters, cover six, different things like that. So it's going to be a different type of game. Kenny Pickett's going to have to reel himself in, take what they give him. It's going to be slow, methodical drives. They're going to have to be really good in the red zone. So their offensive line is going to have to get some push up front, going to have to convert. So, I mean, the Steelers, I think, are going to get some yards in this game. I think they'll be able to do that, um, but it's going to be can they finish drops. And I think that's Mm going to be the biggest thing because I could see them getting a lot of when we saw this last year, towards the end of last year, remember when they were putting up yards on the ground and driving down, but it always ended in three instead of six, right? Always ended in three. Got to convert those threes into sixes. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a good point. You know, even if they if they rack up the yards, can they finish drives? That's going to be the biggest question. That's what I've always said. You know, I, I don't want to divert the conversation towards Canada too much and stuff like that. But there's obviously, you know, people have given him 
grief every single weekend for the play calling, the steam itself, things like that. I just don't think he has answers in the red zone for NFL defenses. That's been my personal biggest gripe other than obviously like once Allen brought it up to me, you know, you look at his track record with quarterbacks really hasn't developed a guy. Um, and Kenny's going to have to be the first one for the Steelers to be successful. But to your point, when you look at, you know, the, the red zone, when things minimize or I guess when the situation maximizes and the field minimizes, how do you feel like things change for the Steelers offense? It changes a lot, but I think they have a personnel that should be able to win in those areas. Um, There's nothing really crazy about what this Steelers offense does that shouldn't be able to work there, right? They have a very powerful guy in Najee Harris who should be a plus Jalen Warren has enough strength to really get out those yards and pickets generally accurate enough with two tight ends, by the way, two big tight ends plus George Pickens, who's basically always open. Um, so it should work. I, I just that's the scheme, man. The passing schematics are not good. And even in the red zone, you feel like Canada has to run all these, you know, very lopsided bunch sets. So you have like 10 guys in the box and you can mm-hmm. spread them out a little bit. It's okay. Trust me, it's okay. Yeah. Do that a little bit. And so, yeah, I think the red zone's a question. Um, I thought it was a question last week where the Steelers started to get going a little bit more, right? A little bit more throughout kind of the game, but they settled for three a lot. Now, some of those weren't in the red zone. They were even further out than that. But um, really, 30 in, I need to see the Steelers do more because I think the Texans are going to be able to take away their explosive plays. I'm not sure we're going to see a Calvin Austin you know, 72-yard touchdown, and George Pickens 71-yarder this week. We might see Pickens get like 10 receptions this week, and that's that's very realistic to me. Um, so start George Pickens if you're in PPR. But um, I will say that I believe that they're going to have to convert. And the way the Steelers lose this game is either – I think the likeliest way, because they could turn the ball over and stuff like that too, and that could mm-hmm. do them. But I think the easiest way they lose this game is – they allow explosive plays on the defensive side of the ball um, to where Stroud and Dell and Collins and those guys can get explosive plays off of them. And they have coverage busts on the back end and they can't convert threes into sixes. I think that's the biggest way they can lose this game. Yeah. Uh, the Texans, by the way, have not allow- allowed a 100 yard rusher or 100 yard receiver so far through three games. We will see if that changes on Sunday. Nick, uh, last thing that I want to bring up is a question. Um, from one of our listeners here, Joe um, Aber, Aber, I'm not sure. Let me know in the comments how to pronounce that so I get it right because you've been supporting us basically since the jump and we appreciate you. Um, Kenny makes great throws in motion, looks more comfortable doing so. How could they legitimately as an offense work that in more to get him in the best position? It's tough because you don't want to condense the field to one side a lot. Um, so the sprint outs that you see a lot, um, if you watch any JT O'Sullivan, you know how much he hates the sprint outs. I don't hate him as much, but, um, they are, you can't use them a ton, right? It's two or three play calls a game and they worked really well against the Raiders. Um, Mm -hmm. bootlegs, I think is the best way you can get Kenny on the move. Um, I'd like what they're doing there. I think that's a great way to do it because it's play action it gets Kenny moving out of the pocket. It gives you three options at a different levels. And I think Canada's bootleg like passing game is pretty expansive. Like he has a nice bootleg passing game 
with route trees and they have really good uh, guys that can win at all three levels. So you have kind of different players slot in there. I think another way they can do it is out of the, the shotgun where they have those play actions and, you know, Kenny mm-hmm. can roll a little bit or slide a little bit. They can have moving pockets. Um, I, I think that's something like they almost hit on a big play to Calvin Austin on one of those um, where he kind of slid out of the pocket. He just yeah. kind of missed it a little bit under pressure. Um, so I think there are different ways they can do it. Um, I don't think Kenny should be doing a ton of design quarterback runs or anything. He's athletic, but like it's not really where Kenny shines. Um, I want to see them do more quarterback sneaking. I think that is something they should be doing more on those third and ones instead of fullback trap to Connor Hayward. Um, push, push. Yeah. Get the tush push going, man. Trust me. Put Najee Harris and Darnell Washington behind him, and I bet – Definitely like 100% success rate. They might be, they, they would easily get most of their third and ones, fourth and ones done if that happened. So, I mean, the mobility part, it's hard to fully get it going. But the schematic ways to do that are also quite limited. But the bootleg game is the biggest way to do it. Um, the sprint outs, maybe. I also just think getting better protection for Kenny will help that part of his game. Because yeah. I think if you can protect him a little bit more, he'll trust his offensive line. And when he trusts his offensive line, you kind of get him in a nice little rhythm of when to go and break play. And I think he does a really nice job out of structure. I love Kenny's out of structure game. I think he's good throw on the run. Um, I think that's one of the best parts of the game. But I think he relies upon it a little too much. And I think we've seen that early on in the season. So better protection allows him to stay in the pocket which can really make, in my opinion, a guy that breaks plays and has those extended plays even more dangerous. And I think that's kind of what they had at the end of last year where Pickett was confident enough in his O-line to make some plays in structure. But when he felt like it was time to make a play, he did it, and he did it at a high level. So I, I think there's some personnel things that need to come along better. I think Kenny needs to get a little bit more confident. But I also think that the bootleg game just has to keep coming along. Use those bootlegs, man. They were killing the Raiders on Sunday. Yeah. Bootlegs. Well, I think this question a lot is in part due to that one drive. Steelers are up 16-7. to seven. They go down to make it 23-7. But on that drive, I feel like you almost saw the ceiling of what this offense could do. Like, it was just perfect, in my opinion, in terms of they used the bootleg. They had some pre-snap motion that they actually had a passing play off of. They threw to the middle of the field. They did a lot of play action stuff. They blocked well out in space on a little screen to Jalen Warren where Calvin Austin comes around the other end of that just to, you know, kind of dress it up a little bit um, with the drive finishing with the Pat Fryermuth touchdown where Kenny's out on the bootleg. So I feel like, you know, to your point, I think the bootleg probably is the best option there, but I feel like this question was largely in part due to that one drive and just what it looked like for the Steelers offense. Yeah, I'm sure it was in part because of that. And what's made great success on that building off one another, but um, they can have better success just through many different other things um, through, you know, the spread out runs that I talked about earlier, where this run game can get going a little bit more. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. about passing concepts that I think that they can work off of. I think they could build a more robust passing game. I want to see more man beaters. I want to see George Pickens get more deep targets. I want to see different things like oh, that. Oh, dude, they could have hit so many double moves in oh. this game against the Raiders. I mean, they, they tried, those guys man. were, yeah. Yeah, um, they, I was like in my basement, literally on my hands and knees, praying for them to do it because Marcus Peters, Hobbs, they were like, they were 
triggering down, knowing yeah. what they were looking for, and they could have hit him with a double move. And yeah, well, I listen, mean, eventually they, they did. They did hit Marcus Spears with a double move. It was the yeah. Connor Hayward play where he goes out and up, and Kenny thinks mm -hmm. he's going to go there and nearly gets a pick six. So they did hit him with it, and it, I think I, I would imagine that that was on Hayward where he was just supposed to break, and that play was so. supposed to set up for a play later on. Where he would go out and up, but. Um, that miscommunication kind of sunk that, but they probably should have hit one with George Pickens or Calvin Austin yeah. at some point. I, I, I wonder why they didn't come back to that. Um, this is probably not a game for them though. Um, because as we said, just the, the right, you know, Texas play back and in zone more quarters coverage. Um, but if you get the right look in quarters, maybe you can get a, you know, Steven Nelson on the outside, isolate or something. Maybe, maybe you get the right look and, and you can do that. Um, but probably not in this game. I think the Ravens, that could definitely be something they bring out, though. Uh, Nick, real quick, before you tell the people where they can find you, you got to give me a prediction for Sunday. 24-17 Steelers. 24-17. Okay. I, 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 not that I expect them to put up a ton of yards. I think that uh, – I said they're going to win the field position battle again. Um, I think this is the week, though. I think the offense cracks 30. 30 to okay. 20 Steelers. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling it. Mitty, throwing it out there. Yep. All right, Nick, tell the people where they can find you. All right, y'all can follow me at FB on Twitter. Also, make sure to read more at SteelersNow.com. And of course, of course, subscribe to the channel, too. We are 50 subscribers away from 10,000 on the YouTube channel, um, which means at that point, we are going to play that beautiful intro song that you guys hear and outro song every single episode. We're going to play the full version of that on the show when we hit 10,000 subscribers. So get us to 10K. Be sure to tell friends. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, comment down below. We'll read some of the comments on Monday when we come back. Leave your predictions down below, too. We want to see what you guys think is going to happen on Sunday. And if you guys are listening somewhere that is not YouTube, leave us a five-star review there as well. Nick, thanks for joining us once again for Faribault Friday. Thanks, everybody, for tapping in with us. This has been Steelers Afternoon Drive. Thanks for jumping in and taking another ride with us. <laughs>